Hey, Disney fans, looking for the latest Disney news? And interviews with some of Disney's biggest stars? Well, have we got the podcast for you. Welcome to D23 Inside Disney. I'm Jeffrey from D23. I'm Sherry from Oh My Disney. And I'm Zynga from ABC's On the Red Carpet. And together, we're taking you inside Disney. Well, hello. Hello. How is it going? Oh, I'm so good. I'm still on a high from being at Disney World. Uh, I bet. Yes. You had just got there when we last checked in. What what were some highlights? Yes. You know, I thought it was going to be all work, but no play, but we definitely got to play. We went to Magic Kingdom. Ah. That castle is everything. And just the photo opportunities, the rides. Oh, it is truly magical. I hate to sound cliche, but it just is. Favorite meal, favorite attraction, favorite snack. The funnel cake. Mm. Oh, where'd you get it? Did yeah. you get it by American Adventure Pavilion? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. I know it well. I know mm. it well. So <laughs> messy, but so worth it. So worth mm. it. <laughs> I'm still mm. trying to work it off. <laughs> oh, unnecessary. You look fabulous on our Zooms. Oh, Truly. The check's in the mail. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and Sherry, you're recording from yes. a new place, not your closet. I know. Yes. So for <laughs> listeners who cannot see, if you can imagine. At my that would be all the listeners my... who can't see because we're not a video <laughs> podcast. I know you and, you and Zinger are both <laughs> listeners to me okay. as well as co-hosts. Yeah. But yeah, if I'm not in my closet, I am in the office. Yes, Yay. we have returned. It's yes. so good to see my coworkers, both old and new, see people outside of Zoom. I'm like, oh my gosh, you have arms and legs. Yes. I thought you were just, yes. a, just a head on a on some shoulders. Wow. <laughs> in a box. Just in a box. Everyone, she is looking fly, if that's the myself. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, thank you, Zink. I did do some back-to-school shopping for my return <laughs> to the office. <laughs> Amazing. Jeffrey, how about you? What have you been up to? I, well, I forgot to mention it last week, but I had a lovely dinner, early birthday dinner, early 91st birthday dinner with our pal, Disney legend, Bob Gurr. Fun. Yep. Yep. You know, uh, I aspire to be like him. Don't we all? Yes. And he's like, he's very, very active. You know, he's biking, he's everything. And so what did I do? I spent the weekend mainly on my couch. I... (laughs) Now I am so up to date on Grey's Anatomy. Nice. Abbott Elementary, The Connors, She-Hulk, Andor, and I wow. did finish binging Tierra Incognita, a Ooh. Latin American produced series on Disney Plus, which I loved. Cannot wait for season two. Anyway, yeah. So a lot of me sitting in front of my television. I was aspiring to be Sherry. Yes, I am <laughs> proud of you. That is the way to spend a weekend. Yes. <laughs> you know, I try to do that, but I'm a glorified Lyft driver for my daughter on weekends. Oh, oy, oy, oy. <laughs> Of course, loving all of that amazing Disney Plus content. And I mentioned it last week, but really loved Werewolf by Night. And oh, today... Really? We are so excited. We have director and composer for oh. Werewolf by Night, Michael Giacchino, yes. on the show. I Yay! Uh, the best. Uh, the best. Uh, such good stories. So right. stay tuned for him. Um, we got some news now. We're going to kick it off with, with some sad news. I'm guessing many of our listeners heard already. Disney legend Angela Lansbury passed away at the age of 96 this week. Mm. Beauty and the Beast, Bedknobs and Broomsticks, Fantasia 2000, an icon. She will 
be missed by all of us in the Disney family. Yeah, D23 has a, a really beautiful tribute up to her. If uh, people want to go and celebrate her a little bit, maybe uh, reading the D23 story of celebrating, uh, watching some of her classic movies on Disney Plus seems like a, a nice weekend for me already. Uh, mm. Yes, bed knobs and broomsticks it is for me. She's mm. a legend in every sense of the word. She really is. Well, you guys, I know for those who can see me, AKA Jeffrey and Zynga, I'm wearing a jacket, which means it's almost the holidays. <laughs> That's a oh really, really good segue, Jeffrey. Thank you. It's time if, for sure. If only my eye roll corner. was audible. <laughs> Sherry's Holiday Corner is back because we've got holiday announcements for Walt Disney World Resort and Disneyland Resort. There's a ton of stuff. I will try not to take the next hour of your time going into detail about all the things I love. So here's a brief overview, as brief as I can make it. Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party is coming back from November 8th through December 22nd on select nights. This includes Mickey's Most Merriest Celebration, Minnie's Wonderful Christmas Time Fireworks, Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas Time Parade, shout Yay. out to Yellow Gingerbread Man number three, Woo, my <laughs> old buddy, complimentary cookies and hot cocoa at Magic Kingdom. New sweet treats are coming too, like a Texas-sized sweet potato pie with marshmallow meringue and candied pecans at Pecos Bill. Yes. Then over at Epcot, the International Festival of Holidays presented by Advent Health returns November 25th through December 30th. That includes the candlelight processional, joyful, a celebration of the season, all kinds of holiday kitchens showcasing recipes and drinks from around the globe. And you can enjoy some holiday traditions of the world around world showcase. And there's going to be holiday decor and entertainment all across the resort. There will be more than 1,300 Christmas trees, some of them more than 65 feet tall. I know, I know. Get your phones, your cameras ready. Very exciting. Okay, then over at Disneyland Resort, Disney Festival of Holidays at Disney California Adventure Park is back. There'll be a diverse lineup of live entertainment. Santa's going to be there. Mickey, Minnie, and their pals are going to be there in their holiday finest in their new fashions at Town Square. And of course, we've talked about this before, but Magic Band Plus arrives at Disneyland this fall as well. So those will come alive with vibrations and colorful holiday lights as well. And peppermint churros. Oh. Yes. Yes. Just when you thought you couldn't love a churro more. Peppermint. You can Mm. also commemorate Diwali with an Indian chai tea at Disneyland Hotel. So there's all kinds of stuff coming up. Like I said, jackets on. The holidays are here. (laughs) Okay. That is everything. That is a lot, a lot. (laughs) Well, sticking with Disneyland for a moment, our friends over there at Disneyland Resort announced that guided tours are returning to the park. There is the Walt Main Street Story 90-minute tour, which has some fun hidden details, and of course, a visit to Walt's legendary apartment above the firehouse. And there is the holiday time at the Disneyland Resort tour. Woo-hoo! Sherry, this like it feels like a continuation nice. of your your yes! news. A two and a half hour walking tour. I did a version of this several years ago, and it was 
really, really fun. There's delicious holiday treats. I see. I I remember having a gingerbread man. I don't know that that's what everyone gets, but it was wintry and wonderful. And I highly recommend it. So you can head over to the Disneyland website for more details. Nice. So I'm really excited because after kicking off the Disney 100 celebration on New Year's Eve, the Disney 100 celebration at Disneyland begins on January 27th, 2023. Gosh, 2023, I can't believe it. But here's some (laughs) of what you can expect at the heart of the celebration. Y'all, platinum. That's the word of the day, right? Mm-hmm, the color mm-hmm. of the celebration. My nails will be platinum. <laughs> There'll be a new platinum infused decor throughout the resort. New sparkling looks from Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, and their pals. Special food and beverage offerings, merchandise, and more. I'm so here for it. And of course, Sleeping Beauty Castle will be adorned with platinum banners and bunting featuring the three good fairies. Two majestic water fountains will grace either side of the moat. While a beautiful wishing star will sparkle from the tower above. Oh, can we make a Aww. Aww, ding. Mm. <laughs> And two all new nighttime spectaculars, which was announced at D23 Expo. World of Color 1 opening at Disney California Adventure. And Wondrous Journeys opens at Disneyland Park. And of course, one of my favorite rides, which we did <laughs> mention at D23 Expo. The Mickey and Minnie Runaway Railway attraction will open early on January 27th. I'm coming for you, Chuby. Can we go together? We need that needs to be. So even more special entertainment moments are slated to pop up across the resort and more news will be shared ahead of the debut on January 27th, 2023. And what an amazing hundredth anniversary it shall be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yay, yay. Well, you know who's definitely going to pay a visit are the Disney villains. I'm just assuming that, but it felt like a good transition because they are (laughs) going to be coming uh, on a limited time basis to Disney Mirrorverse. For those of you who don't know Disney Mirrorverse, we've talked about it on this show before. It's a mobile game right now. Hades is there, coming soon, Maleficent, Cruella DeVille, Jack Skellington, Ursula, and they're only there, it seems, for a limited time. So if you want to access these fantastic villains, now is the time. Ooh, perfect for October. (laughs) Well, pack your imaginary bags because we're going to Alani for this next piece of news in my head. (laughs) The Ama Ama dining experience is coming back to Alani Resort. This is the resort's signature oceanside restaurant, and it's going to be available once again beginning this Friday. Yes, it is a newly reimagined fine dining experience where you can enjoy a delicious four-course prefix dinner menu. Each course kind of pays homage to the spirit of Hawaii with unique flavors, high-quality ingredients, locally sourced fish, locally sourced produce. This sounds like heaven. And yes, Mm. there is a decadent selection of desserts that incorporate iconic local flavors like calamansi, coconut, mango, macadamia, Kona coffee. I mean, my stomach is growling. This sounds amazing. And reservations are available now. So get booking. Mm. Yay. Yes, hungry, but I have to do this intro before this next piece of news. Hur, hur. Did I do that? Ooh, right? Yes, that's right. right. Oh <laughs> so, y'all, Mbaku is coming soon to <laughs> Avengers Campus. Yes, with Black Panther Wakanda Forever due to hit theaters next month, Disney Parks announced the impending debut of Mbaku to Avengers Campus at Disney California Adventure Park. My gosh. 
so excited about that. Mm. It's on TikTok if y'all want to take it out. Mm. Well, there were a bunch of Disney announcements coming out of New York Comic Con. So just going to hit on a few of them really quickly. Solar Opposites, uh, the animated hilarious comedy on Hulu is renewed for season five fx's kindred is coming to hulu on december 13th so that's all episodes are going to drop at once it's based on the novel uh, by octavia e butler about a young aspiring writer who gets pulled back and forth in time to confront family secrets so uh, i'm looking forward to that Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, we've talked about that a bunch on the show. It was renewed for season two ahead of its season one premiere. So that's some major news. And casting was announced for Disney branded television's new animated buddy comedy, Kiff, which is going to be starring Kamiko Glenn and H. Michael Croner. And there is a teaser trailer you can watch on the Disney Channel YouTube page. It looks fantastic and the colors are eye popping. Nice. And all of us who are constantly searching for the fountains of youth can look no further because now there's a <laughs> series that may have the answers you need. Yes, Disney Plus and Nagio have released the trailer for Limitless with Chris Hemsworth. In the six-part documentary series, global movie star Chris Hemsworth takes viewers on a roller coaster personal journey as he explores how to combat aging and discover the full potential of the human body. Building on the latest scientific research, Limitless shatters conventional wisdom about maximizing life. All episodes of the series premiere on November 16th, exclusively on Disney+. Plus. I will be taking notes personally. Mm-hmm. Same, same. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys, the future is now because Disney Animation Immersive Experience is coming this December. Yes. 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 Walt Disney Animation Studios announced that they are teaming up with Lighthouse Immersive Studios, who are the people who produced immersive van gogh if you went to that it looked amazing the world premiere for the disney animation immersive experience is going to be in toronto this december and then it can be seen across the u.s okay i am like so excited for this yes animation they're bringing their library of films to audiences in a way that has never been done before including hits like Encanto, Zootopia, Frozen, and the classics like The Lion King, Peter Pan, and Pinocchio. So you'll feel like you're actually stepping into these incredible worlds of your favorite Disney characters and stories and becoming one with them. Yes, this is a great photo op if you are wondering. (laughs) Yes, yes. And shout out to our friend Amy Astley, who I know is helping steer this incredible Yay. Shout out to Amy. The schedule of openings, on sale dates for tickets, prices, all these things will be announced at a future date. And you can sign up now to receive more info at DisneyImmersive.com. Nice. Well, the only info I need to know is that on December 9th, I'm going to be sitting in front of my television to watch the fabulous, the Tony Award winning, the Disney legend, singer Adina Menzel, who is starring in the new Disney Plus documentary, Adina Menzel, Which Way to the Stage. I am so excited for this. I had no idea this had been made. It follows Adina on her journey to fulfill a lifetime dream of headlining a concert at Madison Square Garden in, of course, her hometown of New York. Uh, it's got never before seen performance footage, some in-depth interviews and it follows Adina not just as a performer and a star but as a mom and a wife and dealing with travel schedules and things like that so I cannot wait iconic and of course she's also going to be in Disenchanted which comes out in November so legend legend you know what else is legendary 
Five fantastic things to watch this weekend, presented by State Farm. For complete details on listings, visit d23.com. And remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Jeffrey, what's up first? Well, up first, we are going to head into the woods with Into the Woods as the sing-along version of the musical directed by Rob Marshall and starring, oh, Meryl Streep, Anna Kendrick, Emily Blunt, Chris Pine, Christine Baranski, Tracy Allman, and James Corden, just to name a few. Ooh. It is going to premiere on Disney+. Plus. I'm very excited for the sing-along version because they're Sondheim lyrics. They can get very trippy, and so it's very good. There's the witch's rap. There's a lot of lyrics in there. And... <laughs> Fun fact, when the film came out, I actually did the cover story for Disney 23 magazine. So I actually got to talk to Meryl Streep and Anna Kendrick. And cool. that was, it was pretty epic. So, Oh, I love that. Well, guess what, y'all? I'm going to cancel my plans because I found out the new Mutants is coming to Disney Plus. It's coming out this Friday, October 14th on Disney Plus. I will be watching. Mm. Nice. Well, I will be watching Toy Story of Terror on Saturday. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Thank you, Jeffrey. <laughs> this will air Saturday at 2.25 p.m. on Freeform as part of 31 Nights of Halloween. This is one of my favorite Toy Story specials. It is just the right mix of spooky and fun. And I will not give any more away because you must check it out yourself. <laughs> well, also on Saturday, October 15th, headed over to Disney Channel and Disney XD. It is the first of three final specials for the Owl House. So it's picking up right after the events of the season two finale. The first special finds Luz and her friends stuck in the human realm and needing to go to some crazy lengths to return to the Boiling Isles. So I may be co-watching that with my niece, Dylan. Nice. Oh, fun. And cap off the weekend with a viewing of Edward Scissorhands on Disney Plus. Yes. Oh, yeah. I know what a movie. So good. So star studded. And again, the perfect mix of spooky and a little funny and fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love that. Love that movie. On to today's guest, who we think has the distinction of being the only composer to write scores for films for Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, and The Muppets as well as Disney theme park attractions. He's written music for Ratatouille, Up, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, Thor, Love and Thunder, Spider-Man, No Way Home, Zootopia, and The Incredibles, as well as two of my all-time favorite series, Alias and Lost. Alias and Lost, yes. Well, they're the ones that kind of started Oh, I'm not done yet. I'm not oh. even done yet. <laughs> There's more. Oh my God, I'm, I'm tired. Yet. I'm already because, tired. Because no, you know why? Because we are getting to the part of why you are here today because he is now stepping out from behind the sheet music to go behind the camera, directing the new Werewolf by Night from Marvel Studios, now streaming on Disney+. And be warned, there will be some light spoilers. Please welcome to the show, Michael Giacchino. Welcome, Michael. <laughs> well, it's nice to be here. So what do you want to know about? <laughs> wow. I mean, everything. But let's yeah. start with, you've done some directing work before, but helming a project for Marvel Studios feels, I don't know, pretty, like a pretty big deal. Yeah. How did that come together? You know what? I mean, they're like family to me over there. We've done so many things together over the years and they're really an extension of the friends I had as a kid, you know, like group of kids that you always went around with and that you would either do creative things with or cause problems with or do whatever that group is. That's what I feel like they are to me. 
so Kevin and I would have a lot of conversations. Mostly it was always about like very geeky things. You know, we were very <laughs> much into Superman, Star Wars, you know, Star Trek, all of these things. A lot of our conversations were always around that. And he said one day, he's like, well, if you're going to, if you were going to direct something, what would you want to direct? And I was like, that's easy. Werewolf by night. And he looked at me like, wait, what? Where'd that come from? Like, why that? And I'm like, I loved it as a kid. It was such a great comic. And I still have many of the ones that I bought when I was young. And I said, I just never forgot it. And I also absolutely love monster movies. And I feel it's a corner of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that has yet to be touched. So I thought, you know, let's do that. Let's bring this out of the shadows and see what we can do with it. So that was really what started all our conversations was that simple little, you know, interchange between us. And then it just kept getting deeper and deeper, long, more and more. And before you know it, we were hiring writers. And then, you know, like the whole process, I kept thinking, this is not going to happen. They're not going to let me do this. There's no way. But that never happened. They just kept going. Then when I found myself on set, I was like, oh, I guess this is actually happening. Like, right? there's no turning back now. I have to do this now. But it was really fun. The entire way, it was a lot of fun. Mm. Well, when you're getting ready to work on something like this, did Kevin tell you how this is going to fit into the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe? Or are you just given no. like, here's what you need to know? Yeah, no, no. I mean, we always approach this one as a, the way I have always thought of it. I was like, think of this as a Twilight Zone episode. Mm -hmm. I don't need to know about any other Twilight episode to enjoy this one. So let's just do that. You know, and especially when you're bringing new characters into something like this, it just felt like the less you had to worry about what's on either end of these stories, the better off the audience would be. Especially since we're, you know, it's one thing if you're doing something that's related to Iron Man, we sort of all know that world or something related to Captain America or, or you know, whatever it is, we know that world at this point. We don't know anything about this world. So I always felt like it was going to be a lot just to get people into this world. So I wanted to keep it as focused as possible and not have to worry about, you know, where are they going next? And where did he come from right before this? I don't know. I, you know, I mean, that was the kind of thing that I used to love to figure out when I was a kid, you know, wondering about that stuff. Like I said, let's just leave people wondering. It's OK. That's fine. We'll fill in the blanks down the road. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. And the cast is absolutely phenomenal. Aren't they great? Oh, my I goodness. mean, I'll tell you, from day one, when I first started thinking about this, I knew Gael was the only person who could play Jack. And he was literally the only person I had on my list. If he had said no to me, I didn't have like a plan B. I had no idea what I would have done after that. I'm such a huge fan of his. And I was lucky to get to work with him on Coco. Mm -hmm. That's where we met. But that was several years back. And they said, well, do you want to set up a Zoom with him and see if he's interested? I was like, me? Just me? By myself? Sure. Okay. So we got on Zoom. I told him all about the project. I told him what I wanted to do with it. And he just was like, yeah, yeah, this sounds great. Let's do it. He was happy he didn't have to wear a cape. You know, he was just like. <laughs> <laughs> well, and what about some of the other characters? Like, do you have any fun stories, fun memories that you can share with us? Well, Laura Donnelly, who is incredible as Elsa Bloodstone, there was another one of those situations where when I watched her in The Nevers, I was just like, Oh man, that's her. That's her. That's it right there. That's Elsa. There she is right there in front of us. I was like, holy cow. And then I went and checked out, you know, she was in many other things prior to that. She's done a lot of stage work and she is just in everything she is. The thing I love about her, she brings just such instant truth to the room and there's such a presence she has. And no matter what she says, you believe her, you know, mm -hmm. no matter what. And that is like this incredible ability. And she is just 
the greatest to work with. Like I would say, put her in everything because she deserves it and she's the greatest. <laughs> so I got so lucky with the cast. I feel so lucky. And it was an embarrassment of riches. Harriet Sansom Harris, incredible. If, and if you remember from her stint on Frasier as his agent, she was unbelievable. And I'll never forget those episodes. And then later on, everything she has done, there's this moment in Licorice Pizza that she's in. And she steals, almost steals the entire movie with that performance. And again, she's just one of those people. All you have to do is give her the words. And when they come out of her mouth, there's suddenly this whole living, breathing thing that you never expected to get. All three of them, I could not have been luckier mm. to have on board with us. Well, speaking of words coming out, I love the kind of audio animatronics reference with the deceased <laughs> Bloodstone. I'm wondering, was that intentional? Oh, look. We are all huge Disneyland nerds, all right? So that goes without <laughs> saying. We are Correct. huge nerds of Disneyland. <laughs> but I will give credit to that idea. It was from Peter Cameron, one of the writers. It was written by Heather Quinn and Peter Cameron. And Peter said, well, what if he collects all of these animatronic, these weird things? And, and the conversation just kept going. And we were all just like, well, what if he is one of those? Like, literally, what if he turned himself into one of those animatronics? Because that's the hubris that this guy had. Like, you know, there was a showmanship to his life. And the second that kind of came out into the room, everyone was just like, yes, we have to do that. We have to do that. But that was very late in the game, a production that came in very late in the game. So we had to scramble to actually build the animatronic and have somebody in the, and the incredible people over at K&B Effects they handled all of our practical effects for us in terms of the monsters and the costumes and all of that. And they were incredible. And they just jumped on it and delivered us a, you know, an animatronic that we put inside the coffin. And next thing you know, he's talking and it was, it was crazy. Amazing. Amazing. That is so cool. What is it like scoring your own movie? I was a little worried about it because normally I have the director to bounce ideas off of and mm -hmm. to kind of talk through the story and all of that. And on this, it was basically just me. And I thought it was going to end up me being like Moon Knight, talking to myself, arguing with myself, <laughs> yelling You're right. at myself. But, you know, also I had one of the greatest editors on the planet. His name is Jeffrey Ford. You know, as a composer, he and I, I've worked with him as an editor on five previous movies, some of the Marvel movies too. And he is really one of the best editors in the business. And so he fulfilled that role of me being able to say, okay, be honest, is this working? And he would give me great feedback. And sometimes my music would end up changing the cut or the cut would end up, you know, changing the music depending on what he was doing. And it was such a great sort of collaborative way of working. And he was in the office right next to me. So I could be in here writing the music. He was editing next door and I could run in a piece of music. We could throw it in, look at it and go, oh wait, I'm going to change this. Or he would change the cut. And it was just such a fun way to work. We really had a lot of fun making this, oh, you know? Awesome. You always hear the nightmares of making things. And look, it's never easy. It's right. always hard. That is for sure. But I feel like the people you bring into the process are everything. Oh, and yeah. we had such a great crew. So it was really a blast. Nothing beats that. There's that incredible sound used throughout the film that sounds like a bit like a tuba mixed with a foghorn. Is <laughs> that what that is? I mean, what's that? Yes, well, it, it's a tuba. It's a tuba. And that is a good friend of mine. His name is David Silverman. Now, David Silverman has been working on The Simpsons since day one of The Simpsons. Oh, wow. You know, wow. he was actually like one of the very first hires and he animated the first episode and he did all of the, he's been there forever. So if you look him up, you'll find out lots of fun things about him. But one of the most fun things you'll find out about him is that he has a flaming tuba. And, uh, <laughs> and tuba. yes, and that's actually the first time I met David was at a party, an animation party 
in Burbank and there was this guy hauling out this giant tuba and he's starting to play it. And next thing you know, flames are coming out of it. And I was like, what? Wow. <laughs> it wasn't long after that. David and I became best friends years <laughs> later when this whole project came around. I was like, okay, that's got to be in here somewhere. But it's basically just a big tuba that shoots flames. Oh my god! <laughs> wow. Okay. When you said flaming tuba, I thought that was like a specific type of instrument. Like, oh yeah, it's it's a brand of tuba, flaming no, tuba. No. I was thinking it was a cocktail <laughs> at Moe's since you made the Simpsons reference. Oh my gosh, that oh, yeah. that would be a great name, the flaming tuba cool for a cocktail name. for a tiki yes. drink. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so Werewolf by Night, it is very suspenseful. It is very scary. You can definitely tell that you love monster movies. But at oh, the yeah. same time, it is one of the funniest Marvel pieces yet. <laughs> can you tell us about that? How did you mix the humor with the scares? You know what? I think that the movie is such a reflection of me, of the things that I love. Growing up, I loved monster movies. And every Saturday, without fail... My brother Anthony and I would be sitting in front of that television watching whatever monster movie was on Creature Double Feature. Mm. And we never missed it. That was basically our religion was that show. And through that show, I was, you know, opened up to movies like, you know, Bride of Frankenstein and Wolfman and The Mummy and, you know, whatever Vincent Price, you know, film was on. I mean, whatever it was, I loved all of that era of monster movies. And so this movie, Werewolf by Night, has such DNA from that, you know, it really does. And, and it's all out of my absolute just love and affection for those movies. But the other thing is, I love those movies because there's such empathy and there's such heart to a lot of them when they're done right. Because the way I see monsters, it's an allegory for somebody who needs help. Mm. You know, mm. today our world is so insane. And anytime somebody is different, they want to take that and discard it and discount it and push it away. And I'm like, no, different is awesome. Different is the best, you know? And it's about how do we look at things that we're told by society that are monstrous or awful or terrible? Mm -hmm. And how do we kind of see that in a different light? That's what I always loved about those movies. There was an underlying sadness to them. You know, whenever they would be going after them with the torches or anything, I always always be thinking to myself, no, they need help. You should just if you just stop and talk to them, get to know them, they're not going to, you know, monsters don't want to be saddled with these afflictions that they have. That's not what they want. And we all have these things in our life that we deal with on different levels. And it could be anything. The point is we all have stuff that we deal with. And I wanted to come at it from that point of view and try to see them in a different way and understand them in a way that you normally don't get a chance to understand a monster because monsters are usually hauled out in movies as something to kill. Yeah. And I'm like, no, that's not what this is about. Yes, I understand people do that. And I understand the world is like that. But let's see it from their point of view, as opposed to the hunter's point of view. Oh, I love that. And well, and speaking of that, I was left wanting more, especially perhaps one of Marvel's signature tags, perhaps featuring Ted and Jack enjoying sushi. <laughs> I felt like I could just watch that as an entire other movie. You know, we really did talk about like, okay, if we're going to do a tag, we're going to do a tag, we're not going to do a tag. And we just kept saying, you know what? We just delivered so much new stuff here. Like, I feel like let everyone digest this and we'll just like, you know, we'll let them imagine all the fun stuff that happened afterwards. And maybe one day we'll get to that. Who knows? But it's a great friendship that develops between the two. And I do believe by the end, you just see them as people. And that's the whole point of this is just to see the people around you as someone like yourself, as opposed to something different from yourself. 
That was the whole point of this story. Can I ask what Ted is? Ted something that we should know? I'd never seen a Ted before. Yeah, well, Ted is a character from the Marvel comics and his name is Man-Thing. And it was a run in the Ah. 70s that I loved, loved. And the thing I loved most about it was he was this guy. He was a scientist in pure Marvel fashion, somehow got transformed into this monster, unwillingly, didn't want to, but it was going to have to live out the rest of his life this way. And when that happened to him, he lost his memory. Like he can't remember who he is, where he's from. There's such sadness to the whole thing. And that's, again, what I love about it, you know, because it's all about empathy. And Mm. I have my own version of him in my head, but what I imagine is that he and Jack have been on many, many of these nights where Jack has had to be like his, almost like a babysitter. And and sometimes Man-Thing is the one who has to take care of Jack, but it's two friends who need each other more than anything else in the world because the rest of the world is against them. And mm-hmm. so they know they can always count on each other. But Man-Thing is from the comics and the name of the person he was prior to becoming Man-Thing was Ted Salas. So uh, that's why Ted. <laughs> wow. I just mm-hmm. the heart behind all of this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, some of the scariest movies I loved as a kid was uh, obviously King Kong started it all for me. Yeah. You end up really feeling bad for him by the end of that, you know, and they, mm. they, it's such an incredible story. Another one is Poltergeist. Mm. I love that movie and it's super scary, but it never loses sight of its heart. It never loses sight of what it's really about. Mm. And as much as I love horror movies and scary movies, I don't like sadistic movies. I don't mm-hmm. like movies that are just about the thrill of seeing Random people get killed. That's not my thing. And if I'm going to do a horror film or something in that genre, it's got to be something that also has hearts that remind us what's good and what's right in the world. That's right. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Let's flip gears because I love the fact that you've written you know, music for theme park attractions, including my favorite Space Mountain and Star Wars. Force. <laughs> now, do you approach writing music for an attraction differently than you do for a movie? No, it's all storytelling. Music is yeah. storytelling, you know, and even if you're in Space Mountain, there's a story to be told about what's happening. And so you have to just figure that out. And if it's not a blatant story that's right in front of you, like, you know, certain attractions have, you, then you make one up in your head, you know, like I have to hang the music on a story or else I really don't know what to do with it. And Space Mountain is no different. And, you know, the Incredicoaster, same thing. All of those, mm. they have a little story that goes along with it. And I think that's one of the things that's why people go back again and again and again to Disneyland is because it's all about storytelling. It's not just about the thrill of the attraction itself. There's always a story behind what you're doing. One of our Mm -hmm. oldest traditions as human beings is storytelling. That is the oldest, you know, art form known to man because that was how you communicate it, you know, and stories had to be passed on history. Eventually now we have computers and all, you know, all of this stuff, but storytelling was the most important thing to humanity, you know, and it's how everyone connects. It's how we all connect, you know, and I'm thankful that this movie can be shown in a theater. I've been showing it in theaters prior to it starting on Disney, which is really fun because that communal experience you have of being told a story as a group is always fun. So yeah, it's craziness. I've been very lucky with this and to have the people behind me and, and the cast and crew behind me as well. It's just, it was nothing but fun. Mm. Wow. Well, Michael, looking back on your career so far, you've written so many incredible scores. This is probably like picking a favorite child or in your (laughs) case, a favorite monster or creature or thing. But what is your favorite score if you had to pick one or one that was maybe most memorable to work on? You know, I mean, 
when I look at them, I just find everything that's wrong with them. <laughs> you oh, know, because no. it's untrue. Nothing. Art is never finished and it's always just sort of ripped from your hands. And thank God for that too, because I wouldn't want to be writing these <laughs> things forever either. But I think the project that probably meant the most to me over the years has been Lost. Oh. I had such a wonderful experience working on Lost, made so many incredible friends. And that show really is so much in line with how I feel about life. And it was also a show where the, the people involved, Damon Carlton and JJ, they just let me do what I wanted to do. They would just hand me the episode and say, do your thing. It wasn't something that needed to sound like this or that or have a particular tone. It was whatever I felt it needed to be. And there was such great creative freedom in that, that they trusted me with that. I'll always be thankful for. And I still will go around and do lost concerts whenever possible and oh. things like that. And I just love that show. And I've worked on so many things that I absolutely love. But when I think back, that's something that has a you know special place in my heart. Well, many of us associate your scores with ugly tears. Thinking about <laughs> Up in particular, do you ever get emotional listening to your own music? It's not the music that makes me emotional. It's more like what was going on in my life when I wrote that. Because a lot of times it's like acting, you're pulling from real experiences to get these emotions into the work you're doing. So many times, like you really do have to drill down and not only are you trying to understand what the characters are going through in the film itself that you're working on, but you're pulling from these moments in your life that are similar to what they went through. And that's not always easy. It's never fun to go back and remember the things that made you sad and all of that, you know, or the things you found nostalgic or scary or thrilling, like you're exhausted by the end of the day. And that's the process for me is always going down deep into the real emotions behind what's happening. I'm not the kind of person that can just sit there and go, okay, you need scary music, here's some scary music, or you need sad music, here's some sad music. <laughs> you know, it has to actually come from a real place. And mm -hmm. to do that, you have to, you know, as I said, like an actor, you have to sort of like relive those moments. Oh my God, we are out of time. But you know what, we always ask everybody this question, and I know it's hard, but here goes. What's your favorite Disney memory? Oh, oh, easy. 1973 Disney World. My parents took us down there in the family station wagon. We went on a trip. We couldn't afford to stay at the park. So we stayed at a Holiday Inn outside the park. And I still remember sitting on the curb during the parade and watching all the characters go by, watching all the things, just thinking like, I can't even believe I'm here, you know, and I was a kid. I still have a picture from that when I still have the hat that they bought me. You know, we couldn't afford to go to California. You know, my parents are both teachers. So all our vacations happened up and down the East Coast. We drove. But that one I will never forget. And that was one of the greatest experiences ever. Just going to Disney World. That was like, was like going to Mecca, you know, <laughs> especially as a kid, you know. But yeah, that's probably my favorite Disney memory that trip. Uh, 72 for me. So I only had to be by a few months. There you go. Yep. Uh, Michael, such a pleasure. Congratulations. We are such fans of all of your work. And now Werewolf by Night on top of it all is like a magical cherry. We can't wait to see what the next Sunday brings. <laughs> Thank you and congratulations. Oh, thanks so much. It was really fun talking to you all. We'll do it again someday. Take care. And I'm still a fan. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, everyone. All right. Bye. Bye, Michael. Thank you. Oh, wow, Michael, what a guy. So multifaceted. I like always knew him as the composer of Married Life from Up, along with like every other Pixar score that is just absolutely beautiful. But then turns out he also loves monster movies. Yes. <laughs> like, that is... <laughs> 
<laughs> so so insane. What a cool guy. I want to talk to him for five more hours. I know. So brilliant. <laughs> well, thanks again for listening to D23 Inside Disney. Don't forget to like and share this episode wherever you listen or subscribe. And if you want to chat with us, you know what to do. Hashtag D23 Inside Disney. And for all the latest Disney info, check out D23.com. We'll be back next week with more Disney news and a fantastic guest on an all new episode of D23 Inside, Inside Disney. Disney.